Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's the CEO and founding member of South African-based Acquaint and has widespread interest in the blockchain industry. Acquaint is a peer-to-peer real estate asset trading platform which leverages blockchain technology to provide on-chain trading with real-time settlements using cryptocurrencies. Prior to launching Acquaint, he spent a significant amount of time managing and selling residential real estate properties. In 2016, he was head of sales for South African-based circulation system. It's my pleasure to welcome Kudzi Manangi. Welcome, Kudzi. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for having me here, Abraham. I'm looking forward to sharing a bit more about Acquaint. Absolutely. Looking forward to speaking to you. So you're based in South Africa, right? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm originally Zimbabwean. Yes. Really nice. And so what's, what's business like in South Africa in general? Um, in, in South Africa, business is going through cycles, if, if, if I can put it through like that. Um, you, it, it might not be the best time for South Africa with what's happening politically, but looking into the future, um, actually the RAND is very strong right now. Um, so that, that's, that, that records an upside for, uh, for business in South Africa, I guess. But I think it's just going through a rough patch at the moment. But after this phase, there's always something great, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to hear about your company. You know, blockchain is getting a, a lot of coverage out there and real estate. In fact, if you look at uh, blockchain and real estate, those two couldn't be further from one another on the spectrum, right? You have this new virtual technology on one side, you have real world on the other side, and what you're doing is you're putting them all together. Yes, yes. Um, I, I actually always say most of the times, um, when you look at blockchain technology, um, everyone's um, focus right now is placed on its influence in the financial services, I guess. But when I look at blockchain technology, I'm quite motivated to think that whoever was working on it real estate might have passed through their mind because it almost looks as if it's a perfect fit to put into the real estate world, um, mainly due to the transparency, number one, and ease of transacting. And the third and the, probably the most um, important one is an immutable ledger, which records everything that happens. So from when a property was built, from who owned it first, who did it go after that. So that chain essentially um, that's where we're really focusing on. Interesting, interesting. So you're utilizing that permanence, that inalterable ledger in order to record real estate transactions. Yes. Beautiful. So tell me a little bit about Acquaint and, and about the product. Okay. Um, so um, for Acquaint, uh, so like you said, I'm the founding member. I'm, I'm co-founder with Acquaint. And the idea of Acquaint um, came about actually back in 2016, but without this was without um, maybe much of the blockchain influence. But what we're trying to do is to look at how easy it can be to navigate properties without having to be in the physical place. And that's virtually, um, that's essentially where we put in virtual reality as well. And then the second factor was um, the transactions in, uh, in, the, in real estate transactions, especially cash transactions. Um, they can be sped up through a couple of channels. So today, if we are going to go through a large transaction like a cash transfer for a real estate transaction, it takes quite long. 
And this is where we ventured off into, into blockchain technology, seeing how easy it is to transact um, using cryptocurrencies. And that brings about the main idea for our quaint is to have real-time settlements of property transfers of anything that you might actually want to look in this space as long as you're going to use cryptocurrency. And that obviously comes with the data of who owns what and how is it transferred and when was it transferred and how is it verifiable on the blockchain. So essentially that's what brought about a quaint. And then um, you also, we, we, we in a very much, um, I'd say, um, constricted phase um, in cryptocurrency right now, the market has gone down from 800 billion to 400 billion. And when you look at that, um, cryptocurrency is not really holding up, is not really a good store of value, if you want to say, at least for now. Um, but with the future, I'm sure it will get better. But what we wanted to do as well is to help people that are holding cryptocurrency to be easily able to diversify their portfolio by investing into real estate without the hassles of having to change from crypto back into fiat and then facing transaction fees that are involved um, in, in, in fiat transactions and facing the, 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 the time um, involvement that, is, that, that has to go through when you do fiat transactions. So that's another great value proposition for us as well. And then something that's very really nice just to keep in mind as well is the property, the global property value, it's greater than the, um, the global transfers of fiat, of money around the world. Um, the global property value is about 220 million right now. And if you can create a channel from crypto to property or from property into crypto, so this is for people that are selling, this is potentially a greater channel than fiat into crypto. So it's a, it's a very nice channel as we see it as well that, that we're creating to help the whole uh, ecosystem for cryptocurrency, for blockchain adoption, um, essentially, that's yeah, that's what we're looking at Aquaint for now. Wow, really fascinating. So this is actually opening up a whole new market because from what I understand, the cryptocurrency market is focusing on cryptocurrency investments and the real estate market is focusing on real estate investments. And what you're doing is you're opening a new channel for cryptocurrency investments into real estate, essentially bridging that gap. Yes, yes. And the, 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 the real estate market um, is, is essentially, is almost like three times bigger than the, than the market money as we know it today. Now, you mentioned earlier about one of the drivers of your platform is the trading of real estate assets without actually having to have a physical presence. And you mentioned virtual reality. Can you elaborate on that? Okay. Um, so let, let's say you, you're going out today and you're looking for a house and Maybe I'm here in South Africa and I'd like a house maybe in Italy, let's say. <laughs> maybe Dubai, let's say. Um, what happens then is um, I have to plan my trip and say, I've got to go to Italy first and then maybe Dubai. And then if I maybe want a house or so in Kenya and then fly to Kenya. And when you look at the final price that you have to spend on the house, you also have to factor in all this, um, all this traveling, um, all this movement. You have to factor in the time that you spend doing all these things you have to factor it in. And the way that we look at it is we say to ourselves, can we save people time? Can we save people money? And when you put time up on the table, then virtual reality, if, if I'm here and I'm sitting and I wanna look at a house in Italy and I can have a real time tour of the house 
and see everything else that is in the house. And um, you, they may, maybe we're going to get into this later, but the feedback from the AI engine that you can get also on the information on the house, um, that's also a very big part, but we can get into that later, I'm sure. But then getting back into virtual reality, once we have saved you time um, by not having to travel, but by just seeing this house and exactly understanding and getting the feel, because when you see something, then people, a lot of people feel like that, they, get, they understand the place better. So that's, that's what we're looking to do with virtual reality. And then when you look at saving money, so obviously if you're not going to spend time traveling, you have, spent, you have saved a bit of money, which you can essentially put into the house that you're buying as well. So no extra expenditure. And then once these two um, are put together and are on the table, um, there is better decision-making. There is faster decision-making because of, 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 of the better interface, if I can put it like that. So where you are going to go travel in three cities and that was going to take you maybe three days, it's now going to take you maybe less than 30 minutes. And the, and the, uh, and the decision-making that you can make from that um, through that information, which is coming very quickly, and you can process it as much as well. So you can make timely decisions and better informed decisions as well using virtual reality in our view. I see this platform scaling for investment properties. If I have a certain amount of money and I want to invest in 10 properties, I can just go boom, 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 and tour these properties one after another on opposite ends of the globe. That, that is very true. That is very true. And if you're looking at it on a scale like that, if you're going to make 10 investments into properties, 10 different properties, um, at most, maybe you might have gone through 30 properties. Now, can you imagine traveling to 30 different stations? Um, it, it's quite tiresome and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of strain even on, the, on people's budgets. Money, money, resources. Exactly. Exactly. That this sounds really amazing and really disruptive of the entire real estate industry. You mentioned AI and the feedback from the AI engine. How does that tie into this whole picture? Okay, um, so the, the way we're envisioning AI right now is at, at a very good stage of machine learning. And because of that, I think you can give real-time feedback and you can access information much faster. So what, where we're going to in, uh, incorporate AI, so like I was saying in virtual reality, where you want to find out um, maybe how many rooms are in this house, what's the floor area, um, uh, what's the surrounding like, um, who are your neighbors, uh, that kind of information. We can provide that information to the AI engine. And while you're going through your virtual reality tour, you can ask this information to, let's say, a chatbot, and in real time, you get this information. So what this means is, um, even for real estate agents, it helps real estate agents because you no longer have to do repetitive work of answering monotonous questions as long, on a house. Let's say if you're dealing on a house, 10 people are going to call you. You're going to say the exact same things each time, provided on the information on the house. Now, if you can have something doing this for you, that means you can even get better leads on the people that are actually going to say, oh, I like this better because they've gotten all this information in real time. Because lots of times you waste time maybe telling a person this is what's in the house, this is it, this is it, and then maybe you get to a point and then they're actually like, oh, no, I don't like that point. So this whole process can be, it actually frees more time for real estate agents um, to work on the 
human side of transactions and leave the information um, production or the information feedback to the machine. What I love about what you're saying is that if you think about one of the biggest gripes that people have with progress in general and especially or specifically with AI is that it's going to take away jobs. It's going to take away roles from people, right? And when you look at the role of a real estate agent, this is pretty much their role. Their role is to be the gatekeeper, to own the showings of the properties, to own the presentations of the properties. Now, what I hear you saying is that it's quite the contrary. This platform is not going to take away that role. In fact, it's going to enhance it. It's going to enable the real estate agents to actually sell more properties for more profit because they're not going to be wasting their time doing, doing all that repetitive work. Exactly, exactly. And um, when I look at it that way, that means um, we, we should actually be able to coexist with real estate agents today. We should be able to, they should be able to, 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 to work through our platform. They should be able to put their, their listings on their platform because what that means is they get free time on producing information, but rather they can streamline the information going onto our website, going onto our platform. So that means they can essentially get more properties on our website and the work is streamlined for them right through to the closing. So that, that really leaves the need for, let's say if agents are still going to be functioning, they can enhance the human side um, of what people would like to have the security of someone taking care of their property. Gotcha. Now, with regards to the AI, one of the things I'm imagining is that sort of like with Amazon, you know how when you're on their website and you've bought stuff from them previously, you get this suggestion in the middle of your uh, search results. Hey, what do you think about this, right? So yeah. I, I'm just picturing touring a bunch of properties. The artificial intelligence knows what my preferences are. It knows what I like. And then it would start suggesting properties. Hey, would you like this property in the Caribbean? Or would you like this property in Hawaii? Is that something that you have in mind? Um, that's something that we're very much uh, looking into right now. Um, and on a greater scale, um, even when you're searching for properties, um, you know what you're looking for 90% um, of the time. You know the specifics you're looking for in a house. And with today's multi-listing uh, multi services, there might be 15 million properties listed on a site. And although you know what you want, um, you might not be able to communicate that exactly to the machine for it to give you that feedback that you require. But where we look to plug in AI, like you've said right now, is if I provide to you what I like, my preferences, you should be able to match it to the closest of what I've asked for if not the exact same. So the chances are there is a house that exists that you are thinking for, that you are thinking about with the rooms that you want, with the views that you want, um, with the location that you want, with the price range that you're looking for. And once you enter all this information onto the machine, then our engine is supposed to match you to something that's very closest to that, if not exactly that. So again, that's also saving people time and once you've made a purchase and let's say you're, you're a, a property investor 
and you have a kind of property range that you like and the machine knows this by now because you've bought five similar properties. So while you're going through the next one, you might actually be served with the best one that you might not have seen yet because you're moving up into your portfolio, looking at better properties, but they're still very much the same feel and the machine should be able to give you that in real time uh, without going through a million listings essentially. Wow. So suppose I'm a real estate agent and I want to start utilizing Acquaint to market my properties I have for investment. Just on a very high level, what, what would be the process for me to get started working with Acquaint? How, how would I list properties? Okay, so if you were going to list properties in Acquaint, you obviously land on our site. And for us, we have to make sure that whatever we're getting on our website is verifiable and people can transact in these properties, okay? So number, number, step number one for us is to verify people's identities. And we're going to be doing this through a lot of channels. Um, number one, which I can actually speak about now, which we are, we've um, communicated with is Civic Key. Um, this is a, if, you, if you're familiar with them, it's a digital identity platform based on the blockchain. And the, they essentially gonna help us to verify the identities of each and every person that lands on our site and that does transactions on our site. So once you've passed that system where you're verified um, by whichever channel we're gonna be using to verify, right now we're very much looking at Civic. And once that process is done, you can provide information on the house that you'd like to list. Together with this, you also sign the memorandum for us to sell it. So the agreement of sale essentially and once we've, uh, we've reached this point, then you have to provide us with the deeds to verify that you have access or you own this property or you've been mandated to sell this property in the case of an agent. So if you're an agent, you'd have to provide proof that you've been mandated by the seller to sell this property. And once this process is done, then it really gets into the smart contract now. So once you've provided all this information, you've uploaded it on the blockchain, essentially, now the contract is ready to receive money and do the transfer to the next owner. And essentially, yeah, so once, once we get to this process and you've, sell, you've proved your, um, the mandate to sell and you've proved that you own the property if you are the straight seller and then the smart contract is called and it's activated and it's put on the blockchain. Now that you've set up that smart contract and somebody takes a look at the property, they like it, they want to buy it. How easy is it to buy the property on the coin platform? I would say it's very fast compared to what we're looking into the real world today because you would know the process of maybe buying a house can take anywhere from weeks, even months sometimes. Paperwork, a stack of paperwork is big. Exactly, exactly. Um, but with that coin platform, because the smart contract is already there, which verifies that this, pro uh, this property is owned by this person, um, what that means is you, don't, you also save time. Um, you don't have to go searching um, for this property because it is verified on the blockchain. So when you want to buy now, essentially what you're going to do is you're going to place a digital offer. Sort of like you Yeah, which is, which is within the... the the, the smart contract. And this also cuts on paperwork. Once you submit that offer and the, the person on the other side, um, the seller essentially sees this and the price is right, the seller says yes. 
once the seller says yes, your money that you put on this digital offer is put into the smart contract. So bear, bear in mind that by this point, the money hasn't been transferred, completely transferred to the seller. What are we gonna wait for once the money is put in the smart contract is for the digital identity of the property to be transferred to the person that has just provided the money into the smart contract. So once this digital identity of the property is transferred from the seller to the buyer, then the smart contract releases the money to the seller. Then that's how essentially the transaction will be completed. So in the case of anything, let's say the blockchain is being slow, or maybe something bad happens in transferring the deed from the seller to the buyer. The money is still there. The whole process can be reversed. If the transfer doesn't completely go, then the money can still be, because it's in an escrow, it can still be put back to the seller, to the buyer, I mean. And how does it work with regards to integrating with the government, right? Because you have to generate a new property deed, a new title. How does that all tie together? Okay, that's actually a very good question. So essentially, when we ask you for the deed, we are verifying that you own this property. And on this chain that we have on the Ethereum blockchain, we're also going to verify that this exists in the real world. So essentially, if any government that we would in the in the zone that we are functioning in if they had to check the property transfers that we have done there's a full record which can be matched to the actual record that they issued which is the one that we asked for essentially so there's still a full record of this happened in the real world and this is also true on the blockchain so going into the future actually would you rather have something that is verifiable by math and code or would you have something that's verifiable by stamps and paper which can be easily altered. So going into the future, um, I, I, I really think they, there's actually going to be strong emphasis of everything. Can we verify these transactions on the blockchain? Did they happen? Um, because if someone is going to come with a fake proof of, of, of a deed on a house, let's say, and we run through that whole system and it comes through as fake, we can't stamp that on the blockchain. So it will not have happened. But let's say by some means they manage to get in and it's, it's, it's on the blockchain now. That, that essentially means they've by, bypassed the process that we do to screen for information. But at the current stage, what we do, we receive a, a, an identity. We're going to check it with the corresponding government before we put it in. So what you're basically doing is not only are you doing that verification, but you're also building that future platform once, once properties are sold on the Acquaint platform and those deeds are entered into the blockchain, you've now created a database of pre-verified properties. Yes. And, and this, essentially, because this is on the blockchain, this is accessible to anyone in real time as well. You can always verify, um, did this happen? Did this person own it before this? Can I see this? Um, essentially, yes. Beautiful. You know, Kuti, I love what you've got going on. If this is such a fascinating and disruptive platform that you're building, how did you get started in all this? Um, that's, that's a great question. So um, like you said earlier on, um, I've worked um, in the property sector and I've worked in the sales sector before that. But actually back in 2016 when I was um, getting quite the interest in the real estate sector, actually. 
um, I looked at the way to streamline the buying and selling process of real estate. Because in any way, like when you get into an, um, into an agency, they have essentially, they can have a, a, a small sheet containing all the information on the property. But when I actually want to buy this, the whole process that we have to go through, going through paperwork, um, going through essentially due diligence, because we can't trust maybe the person who came and listed this. Um, that process takes a lot of time. And at the most, it is very, very expensive um, with the real estate commissions that get charged there. So we, uh, when I started looking at this um, together with my other friend, Panache, we were actually looking at, for, for anything actually, can there be a, an open platform where people can directly exchange value um, at the least of fees and with the most time efficient, um, with the most time efficiency. And that's when we arrived at the idea that the, one of the longest, one of the transactions that take the longest in, in the real world, actually, is the property transactions. So there might be some transactions, some deals that take much longer to, uh, to settle, but property transactions for something that's really owned by people, which should be moving from people to people, peer to peer, essentially, it takes a, a, a large amount of time. And that's how we came about building a platform where the time it takes to transact is essentially minimized and the security of that transaction is much greater through the blockchain technology. And what were some of the challenges that you faced while you were building this? Some of the ups and downs along the way? Okay. Um, so I, actually what I think about ups and downs, um, I think what we have to take from them is, is the lessons that we learn and from each up up or down that you get, um, it, there's an underlying lesson and the up and down might come dressed differently, but each time it's the same problems and it's the same lessons. So number one is to, to always learn from any up or from any down. And number two, um, more specifically to the industry is when people look at this platform essentially, they look at it as this is in the view of real estate agents. They look at it as something that's maybe going to devalue their jobs. But as I explained earlier on, it is actually going to enhance their jobs. It actually is going to um, streamline their jobs and, and, and leave them with more time in their hands to do things that they like doing, to do things that enhance their business more, to do things that um, get more leads or that get more houses coming to them. So it really frees a lot of time um, on people's hands to, to be more productive, to do more things and um, to achieve more things in their lives with much free time. Um, so essentially that's, that, that's, how, that's how I look at it. And um, the, the, the up points, I would say, um, people are starting to look at blockchain technology now, maybe more than they were looking at it two years ago. Um, I mean, it was a huge topic at Davos this year. So there is interest in the space, but I think they, they, there's a lot of um, work to be done ahead, I guess, and that is only going to provide with more ups and downs. But the thing is, I think we also have to keep learning. And it, once you learn again in ups and downs about learning lessons, um, about learning a lot of things is once you learn something, you can't go back to it. So essentially you have to keep evolving and for, for everyone in the space, um, if, if you don't evolve your business plan, 
if you don't evolve your way of doing things, um, it might be outdated one day and you might not be offering much value as you think you are. So yeah, that's, that's just what I get from ups and downs, essentially. Great. You know, there's an old saying, sharpen your pencil daily. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You have to, to matter every day and you have to evolve to what's happening um, around you, around um, the, the economy. Um, because if you don't, um, you might not have relevance in the future. Yeah, exactly. So this is a perfect segue into the next question. So, you know, a lot of small businesses fail during their first year in business. Where do you think entrepreneurs go wrong with that? Um, exactly. I think it's just carrying on from the past question, as you said. What I would say is people just stop learning. Um, people stop paying attention to detail, maybe as much as they did um, when they were envisioning the long term. And once you stop paying attention to detail, the longer term picture disappears and people think in the short term. And once that happens, essentially there is no future for the business. But if you keep learning and you keep evolving, you understand that there is a step to be taken next. And once you get into that system, that means you keep learning and you keep staying relevant. And if I'm going to be relevant today and tomorrow, there's a greater chance that I might be relevant on the same principles that I've used now in the next day as well. So as long as people keep learning and as long as people keep evolving to what's happening around them and they stay off, um, off mute, they stay serving to the people um, and they listen to what people want, um, to what their customers want actually. And in that sense, actually to listen to what maybe the outer world might say, but maybe not to place much emphasis on that, but put it in your long-term view, in your long-term future. People really fail um, to learn that this is why I think most businesses will fail in, in their early days. People fail to learn, people fail to adapt. Um, which means that by the time you're trying to do the same things you've been doing, um, the market doesn't require that anymore. So essentially that, that can be looked as failure. Yeah. You know, I think it's just human nature that people get comfortable doing a certain thing. And as we all know, in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to venture outside that comfort zone. Exactly. And yeah, there's a lot of ways to do that. Beautiful. So I think Acquaint is going to be really big. Where are you looking to take this, let's say, in the next five years? Great question. Great question. So right now, our, our worry is to process a transaction on the Acquaint blockchain, uh, and not on the, on the Ethereum blockchain, on the Acquaint platform. That's, that's what we want to do. But looking into the future, we, we want to add value to people that are involved in transactions. Um, we want to save people time. Um, we want to save people in transaction fees. I mean, even in commission fees. Um, if you look at commission fees today, they're, for property transactions, they're anywhere from 5% to 7%. Um, with that point platform, it's going to be 1%, a flat 1% fee for any transactions done with our coin token. So that, I think that's, that's a value proposition for us going into the future to give people more control of their transactions and not having to give away 7% of their transactions just because they're doing a transaction. Um, so that's, that's really one of the things that we're looking to take into the future. 
Um, but f- for a very long-term um, goal for us, we'd like to offer mortgages on crypto. So if you're going to be transacting with cryptocurrency for, uh, for transactions, uh, for property transactions, you should also be able to get a, a mortgage to do this transaction, even though it is in crypto. So what that means is we have to manage the volatility that is actually um, involved with cryptocurrency. And we are tackling that through essentially backing our token with the real estate investments that we make. Wow. This is going to be a full turnkey real estate uh, services solution. With, with its own transacting medium, as per se. Awesome. So that which really makes up the ecosystem. So who would be a perfect client for a coin? Um, so, so right now, like I've mentioned, we are going to be doing cash transactions um, and not essentially going into mortgaging yet. So the perfect customer or the ideal customer for a coin right now is someone who's been holding on to crypto, someone who's seen gains in their crypto portfolio, and essentially they want to diversify their portfolio of, of, of any risk of any volatility that's coming in, in, in cryptocurrency, which is yeah something that's very, um, it's, it's, it's there when you're using cryptocurrency, volatility is there. And we're going to have to probably deal with it for the next few years as the ecosystem really builds. Um, so we're looking for people that are looking long-term um, to diversify their portfolio. So you've made gains from crypto and you don't want to lose your gains over the next few years just because of market fluctuations as per se. You want to make that money. You want to put those funds to use. So people that have maybe you've been renting um, and you've been looking at crypto and now you think this is a great way to secure a bit of your funds and still do what you're doing. So those are the kind of people that we're looking for, people that are looking to diverse into property. And also people on a large scale that have made um, large amounts of money, maybe in crypto, um, maybe more than enough to buy one house. Um, we're looking for those kind of people to also invest that into properties. And because essentially when you're on a, a portfolio as large as that, you are probably looking to get back into crypto. And if you can hold your value by diversifying into crypto and maybe even going back because you have a very, very, very easy channel to go again from property to crypto if you wanted to sell. So people that are looking for diversification either in the long term um, or even in the short run. Gotcha. And you mentioned many times houses. Is this platform going to be primarily for residential or is commercial properties going to be offered as well? Um, so uh, in our MVP right now, what we're trying to process is um, residential properties. And when you ask me about um, the short-term future, about the long-term future for a client, um, in the next five years, we should be looking um, at commercial real estate um, it does make it a chunk of the whole global property value, but residential property makes up the most chunk of that value. So we, we're going to focus on that essentially, and then we can grow into the, into the commercial real estate sector as we scale. Wow, that sounds really great. So, and our audience feels that way as well because they've sent in a, a bunch of questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you some questions. Ooh, awesome, awesome. I'll be, I'll be really glad. So our first question is from Agnes Vaisier. She's with Risk IQ in London, England. And Agnes asks, 
with the proliferation of fraudulent cryptocurrency apps, even on the main app stores, how do you ensure that your customers are safe and perhaps more worryingly legitimate? Great question. Um, I, I think we slightly covered this previously, but so how, how are we going, if, if, if I can just reiterate the question, how are we going to protect the people that transact within that coin platform? And number one for me that I'd say there is our use of digital, um, of digital identities. So once we verify your identity on the blockchain, that provides security for whoever is going to transact with you. That at least on this layer, not only maybe on that coin platform layer, but we're also going to be using two, such as the civic key. If you've been also verified through that layer, then essentially there's a sense of security around the people that you're transacting with. You know where you're transacting with on the other side. They've been verified by the platform as well. And just, just maybe to protect people now, even early on, we haven't yet put out um, a, an app on the, on, the, on, the, on the app store, on the Play Store, anything as yet. It is in the, um, we are looking to, to, to do one before end of this year. But when we do that, everything will be communicated on our website. And also just for people to really um, look after themselves, just make sure each time you go onto our website, it is the correct format. And if you go into the app store, is it the same link that's taken from our website to download this app? But essentially, digital identities are going to be crucial for us um, to verify the people that are transacting on our platform and to give them some um, security to say you are transacting with someone that we've um, verified on our platform. Our next question is from Ken Heron. He's the Chief Marketing Officer for Unified Inbox in Orlando, Florida. Ken says, right now, everyone seems to have something negative to say about cryptocurrency. How do you cut through the increasingly negative buzz about cryptocurrency to enable people to be able to really hear your company's take on it? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree. Uh, especially with the whole market downfall right now, people are very negative. Um, maybe on the cryptocurrency notion, but there's a notion that um, people are saying no to cryptocurrency and saying yes to blockchain. My stand on that is yes, you can look at blockchains, but when you start looking at blockchains, you can't leave cryptocurrency out of it. And maybe in the future you'll be able to, but where we stand right now, when you start thinking about blockchains, you cannot leave the cryptocurrency out of it. But the way where we've placed our most value, so for the immutable ledger, which holds um, details on who's owned what and how has it been transacted, this is the blockchain that we are functioning on. Um, this is where we place most of our value. And of course, cryptocurrency comes in as the easy medium of transfer. So you can say blockchain, yes, but if information is directly stored on the blockchain and it is not transferable, which is the cryptocurrency part of it, then we, we can't really live in a global economy as per se, where value is easily transa um, transacted P2P. So what we're really trying to do with Acquaint right now is to educate people on the fundamentals of the technology that, that is underlying our business and at the core of that, that is blockchain technology. And of course, we, we, we can't forget about cryptocurrency right now. But what I can say is um, the, the cryptocurrency space right now, the blockchain space right now, um, it's, it's very young. Um, it's, it, it's growing. 
Um, and with any technology, there's going to be a lot of bashing um, on it because lots of people feel threatened. So I think it's something that we just have to take over time and prove our notion and stick to our value propositions and stick to how they make people's lives better, how they save people time, how they save people money. And in the long term, I'm sure people will understand. And once you actually do your research on the fundamentals, this is actually very easy to understand. Our next question is from Carl Horned. He's a QA tester at Spotify in New York City. Awesome, awesome. So Carl asks, which one of the Bitcoin alternatives do you find the most interesting? Ethereum, Litecoin, or something else? So that's a good question. I mean, there's, there's 1,500 of them out there today. Disclaimer, I might obviously own some of the, the token, um, some of um, the cryptos that I'll mention now. So this is not investment advice. Um, I'm by no means an, um, a, 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 an investment advisor. So do your own research on, on any of the uh, cryptos that I mentioned. But I think obviously maybe even from a bias perspective, we're building on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, I like the notion of Ethereum. I like their value proposal. Um, I like um, the access that they're giving to developers. Um, I, I like what they're doing. Essentially, the platform that they're providing um, allows people to build essentially things that work in real life. So, and, and I also like the way the Ethereum Foundation actually um, communicates with, um, with, with, with their ecosystem, I would say. And I like the background of, of, of the Ethereum Foundation and they have a very big foundation. They have people that are constantly working on Ethereum to make sure it scales in the right direction. And like I said, their value propositions are very great. And not even looking at, 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 at the Ethereum price um, though, but the Ethereum ecosystem can much outpace some of the existing ecosystems out there today just because of what they have to offer just outside transacting money. So our next question is from Mark Richards. He's a reverse mortgage planner at Fairway Independent Mortgage in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Mark says, my first question is around the one inherent challenge I see in using cryptocurrency in the real estate process, the volatility. Given the following scenario, what do you think lenders and the cryptocurrency companies will need to put in place to avoid this particular issue? For example, let's say a home buyer is interested in using their cryptocurrency account to purchase a new home. The amount needed for the down payment, let's say, is $40,000. When the borrower gets pre-approved or pre-qualified, there is $40,000 in that account. The day after the pre-approval is issued, but before the money is transferred to a traditional escrow account, the cryptocurrency takes a hit and is now only worth $35,000. This changes the loan dynamics. So what's your take on that? Okay, um, so um, I think we've touched a bit on this, but Volatility is going to be very much a big stake in cryptocurrencies right now because of how early the technology is. And just to reiterate on exactly where we are at right now with the coin to net, um, we're only going to be processing cash transactions right now. But obviously, like I've said, one of our long-term views is looking to mortgage houses um, using crypto as well. So on our roadmap, 
five to ten years from now when we have said we're going to be incorporating mortgages what we want to do so like you've said there um the, the mortgage is pre-approved at forty thousand, but the money has not been transferred to the escrow account um if we're going to be using cryptocurrencies for this the the pre-approval of a mortgage um comes with straight straight transfers of the amount if it is encrypted because it won't take three days as in when a bank is trying to move money instead it will take a minute so at most at most maybe it, it will drop in a minute but I, I wouldn't imagine that it drops more than 10 percent or five percent in a minute but essentially if we can make that whole process um streamlined if we can make that whole process quicker of transferring the pre-approved amount um to the escrow account and processing the transaction this is much fair even on the person buying the property and even on the person that is selling the property because they don't have to receive this at a at a much much lower fee but also something that we're looking to offer our uh, our users is let's say this transaction has gone on and this um this 40,000 is now in your account for the let's say for the house that you sold um you should be able to easily transfer to USD to rand to euro or any um or any currency that you want to go to should you choose to do so so you've just done a transaction at 40k and you're afraid that it might drop 5% 10% and you do not want that you will be able to with a built-in um function in our platform to move that token um from that coin token into USD in real time that is a great feature yeah so now as a follow up mark asks also, I understand that Bitcoin is the cryptocurrency preferred method of transfer for cyber criminals and hackers because of its anonymous setup. Real or imagined, this might scare lenders too. What could be put into place to alleviate those fears? Great question. Great question. Um, first of all, I'd like to point out that as much as Bitcoin was in the very early days, um, the primary use case obviously came with um a few dark webs where it was used for transactions um, anonymously, anonymously as per se. Um, but when, when we look at it today, um, Bitcoin, I, I, I'm, I'm actually not entirely sure on this point, but I might have read um, a statistic that said only about 3% is being used for illicit transfers. And if, if, if you want to look at it that way, I mean, how much more is of that activity is done in actual cash um, that we use? And uh, although that is a very great question, uh, I, I feel it's used to attack the space. But however, saying that is if we're going to be using um, for someone who's going to go and ask out a lender for, for a transfer to be done in crypto, first of all, they're going to be approved on our website. So the idea of being anonymous falls off because on our platform, they, they've been um, verified. We know who they are and they can go to the back to the lender with much better verification of the transaction that they're going to be doing. Our next question is from Elizabeth Zalman, who's the CEO of StrongDM in New York City. With regards to blockchain, how do you ensure security against the ledger itself from an access management and auditing standpoint? One of the systems that we are actually utilizing for listing data, which which is at large, is actually provided by the owners um, of the properties. 
we're using interplanetary file system, RPFS. And what this means is we, we, we don't hold a central storage of people's data. So this gives much security to the data that is actually involved um, in the listings, um, to the data that people provide to us. So we won't hold people's data. This, um, there's actually an instance, I think it was about two weeks ago, where Zillow, in this instance, was hacked of people's listing data that they, data that they provided. And this was on the Zillow savers. So obviously we, we've learned from that and we want to make sure that when we scaling to the levels that they're at, we don't essentially attract people to do the, what they've done to Zillow. And by this, we're going to be using IPFS, like I've said, to essentially decentralize people's data. Our next question is from Ian Moyce, who's an industry cloud leader in London, England. So Ian says, part of the cryptocurrency appeal is its use of blockchain. Can companies use and rely on blockchain to help meet the strict guidelines for data protection and privacy in the upcoming GDPR law enforcement in Europe? The GDPR um, enforcement law in Europe, from what I understand, is they're really trying to give people better control of their data, essentially and not have one single institution be vulnerable essentially to giving away their data. And the way that we're gonna be handling information added onto the IPFS for listing data, um, but let's say the more complex data that we receive from people, this is what we're gonna be using for the blockchain. So we're going to, you will have the private keys to the information that you've provided to us. So essentially, this information is guarded by you and your private keys. And we will not have access to your private keys to go in and temper with this information, nor will anyone else outside you, only you with your private keys to access this information. So uh, I think it, it is actually in line to giving people better, um, better control of their data as such. So um, I, I would say actually maybe Europe is, is a very great market for us to go into the same mission that they're on. Our next question is from Scott Schober. He's the CEO of Berkeley Veritronic Systems in Metuchen, New Jersey. Scott says, I feel the cryptocurrencies that use underlying blockchain technology take too much time for consumers to fully accept and embrace it. For example, the process of verifying transactions through problem solving was designed to take some time and is typically around 10 minutes. Transactions are fully verified in one to two hours. What are your thoughts about that? Um, so um, my thoughts from coming from the real estate sector where transactions take maybe weeks, maybe months to, to verify, um, I'm actually happy with 10 minutes or an hour or two um, I, I, I will bear with that, but more looking into the into the crypto space of on how essentially people can scale. Because I mean, with property transactions, we don't expect to have volumes where um, one to two hours of, of verification are going to be a problem. But at, at looking at the whole crypto space as a whole, do I think um, people can scale to allow for uh, for for better uh, verification of transactions? Uh, yes, um, how can it be done? I think we're already starting to see signs of it um, with the Bitcoin net, uh, network, with, um, with Lightning Network. 
um, I think that's a very good indicator of where we can go to verify small transactions without massive transaction fees and without taking much much longer time. So I think I think it's, it's the crypto space will scale to where um, for, for normal transactions, let's say if I was going to buy a coffee from you now, um, it, it has to be shorter than 10 minutes. Um, it has to be shorter than one hour. And I, I think we, we can get there. Um, and I've said, um, like I said, um, I think Lightning Network is, is a great, great example to show where, where, where things can be. Great. And as a follow-up, also, the ownership of Bitcoin is achieved through use of a private key linked to a payment. And this long number is ultimately data that can be stolen. Do you recommend storing Bitcoins in cold wallet, hot wallet, or coin exchange, or something else? Very good question. Um, this is a notion that I've, I've, I've taken up from just looking at crypto is if you don't have the private keys to your Bitcoin, you, you don't own any of that Bitcoin. And I think I actually got this from Vinny Lingham, who's the CEO of, 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 of Civic. Yeah, he, he says, if you don't have the private keys to your wallet, you do not own the Bitcoin. So this covers the exchanges. Um, I mean, it, it's great if you're trading, if you need your money there, but if you're sitting long out and the, and the crypto is just like your safe place that you're gonna look at in the next 10 years, then I'd say um, store your Bitcoin on a cold wallet because hacks are a reality. Hacks have been happening and you don't want your Bitcoin to be hacked off an exchange um, because you, you left it there without utilizing the trading features offered by the exchange. But if you're going to be trading, then use the exchange and whatever you're not using, I'd say store in a cold wallet and have at least at least have the access to the private keys. Um, because you know you own the Bitcoin and be secure with that as well, because you can be hacked on that as well. Great advice. Kudzi, I know you're a busy guy and we're going to let you go in just a bit. Just before we do, how do people connect with you? Okay. Um, if you're going to connect with Acquaint, essentially, I'm, I'm sure you can you can go to the website, acquaint.biz. Um, to connect with um, the team, essentially outside of uh, the team working in Acquaint, um, you can, uh, if you look on the website, we all have um, LinkedIn profiles there. So you can connect with us um, via LinkedIn, um, uh, connect with us, um, send us messages. We'll be more than happy to chat. And you'll find us on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is kmunangi13 at kmunangi13. And on my, on my LinkedIn, you'll find my email address as well. So yeah, those are just a few ways to connect if you would like to ask me anything else. Great. And I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can just click right on it and get right. Awesome. To it. Awesome. awesome. Excellent. Kudzi, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? Particularly on, on the topic of blockchain technology right now. Um, obviously, we might be very focused on, on the blockchain technology right now, but looking back in, in, in history, I mean, changes come dressed differently, but it's essentially the same thing as, as I said about ups and downs. Um, and the uptake that we are seeing in blockchain technology right now um, speaks of the way that humans um, take up change. I mean, every time change comes, you 
you're very scared of change. And at some point you, you look a bit into it and you say, oh, it might actually help me. And the next stage you're actually like, oh, how could I live without this? So well, what I'd like to offer people is to say, um, maybe don't say I'm a fan of blockchain technology, but at least don't ignore it and go and do your research on it and see how it can make life better. And this would go to any situation in life. I mean, when you look at anything, um, don't have a face value proposition essentially, um, but give yourself time to understand what is happening. Give yourself time to understand the technology that might be underlying any change. Um, give yourself time to uh, understand what might be influencing your business as per se. Give yourself time to um, assess what might be influencing your day-to-day decisions. Because when you look at that um, on a larger scale, uh, you, you can see um, the other side, which is the other side where change can be implemented. And essentially, you can maybe even be more productive or happier in your life or make life better for the people around you by doing certain things to yourself or for your business um, and providing better value for, the, for your customers by essentially looking at the other side, not one that you used to, but being open to change. That is a great way to end this episode. Sage words of advice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Abraham. Thank you so much, Kudzi, for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast, Abraham. Um, I hope we get to number 200. I hope your channel keeps growing. And thank you very much. It was very lovely um, to have you get into your client and give us an opportunity to really um, talk to the people and what we're doing and where we see ourselves going. Um, it was awesome. Thank you very much.